This podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on Sirius XM. We have the Senior Marketing Director of Seasons Partnerships and Occasions with us from the Hershey Company, Mr. Alex Cochran. Hello, Alex. Welcome to our show. How are you? Good afternoon. How was how the summer season candy sales-wise for, for, for this product category? Did COVID have any impact, a positive or negative, on increasing or decreasing sales? Yeah, so COVID, uh, the two separate answers to that. The summer in general is one of the lower periods of time for the category. COVID has brought unique behaviors around candy and especially chocolate candy. Mm-hmm. So we've double-digit increases of our candy uh, throughout the summer and right into Halloween as consumers are spending more time at home and candy's playing a role, whether it's in the candy dish, baking, having friends over in the backyard, s'mores, you name it. Candy's playing a real central role to the behavior consumers are having right now. Now getting into Halloween this season, if you plan this a year in advance, you couldn't have known COVID was coming for this season. So how has that messed up your forecasting? Or maybe it, it hasn't. It, it, as, as you said, it, let's just put it this way. It's made it a very interesting year, but a, mm. but a couple um, that were really helpful for us. If, if you think about the timing, um, right about the middle of March, we were in our Easter season and COVID hit. And the last two weeks of Easter, there was a national lockdown when mm. 50% of candy sales occur. But what we found is our sales were only down 7%. So mm. the consumer found a way to, to buy the product because they wanted to celebrate with their family. And so the reason I tell you that is we were just about to finish the seasonal orders for Halloween. And we were able to use some of the insights we had from Easter to work closely with our retail partners. But we were also able to think about things that we might want to adjust that allowed us to better uh, work with our retailers around the dynamics um, of, of COVID. So for instance, in Halloween, there's very large assortment bags. Uh, we were able to work with some retailers to dial back to slightly smaller assortment bags. And in some cases to take the seasonal graphics off mm. because we knew from COVID, those things will work, will work for Halloween, but they'd also work for stock up behavior that we're seeing during COVID. And so what I think is interesting here, Alex, is also to talk a little bit about, you mentioned that the package pivot was something that was something that was done pretty quickly in anticipation of what Halloween season is going to look like. Were there other, other changes that were made in terms of the product, in terms of anything related to the product that you yeah. thought was so, necessary? Speak on no, that a little bit. Nothing, no, we didn't really make um, a couple things. We did not make any changes to the product itself. And, and that would usually take a much longer lead time. Mm-hmm. But we were able to change um, the size of the bags, um, uh, the type of product that consumers uh, were purchasing overall. So as I said, we traded down from larger bags. In some cases, we went away from the seasonal graphics. So uh, it wasn't a dramatic shift. But the reason we were okay with that is that we had great visibility to what was working under COVID conditions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Those really lined up with what are the same key drivers uh, for the Halloween season as well. So this gets back to what Americas was asking you over summer. And I know you shouldn't generalize on one person, but me, if I look at my <laughs> own behavior, I have definitely eaten more candy mm-hmm. since COVID started. Me too, me too. Um, and I wonder how much that generalizes. No, I, I think it, it's it's not a generalization at all. Your, your behavior is very consistent with the masses where because you're potentially spending more time at home, and more time with your family, mm-hmm. uh, 
king categories, uh, which chocolate is part of, have, have seen a very nice lift. And we are seeing not only more candy come into the household, but more candy being consumed in um, traditional ways and then ways like baking and movie night, mm. et cetera. Ah, One way for the family to stay together. Okay, so so that that's like the business side. Let's talk about the fun side now. So Halloween is is a fun holiday. I mean, it's all about trick or treating. It's all about kids. It's about parties. Like Americus was saying, he had this big parade in his neighborhood. Like, so what are you guys going to do to keep the fun in our lives? Yeah, so you know, and I'm glad you used the word fun because of all the seasons that we market against, Halloween is the one that's seen as the most fun. And it's also seen as very stress-free because some of the traditions that guide it are a little bit looser. You know, you don't have to worry about grandma coming over for a meal at holiday and a certain type of recipe. You can define the season your own way. And we like to talk about the fun and fantasy of Halloween. So um, what I'd like to do is split the season in two. And we have a lot of at-home activities that occur well before trick-or-treat night. As I said, movie night, decorating all those. Those are driving incredible gains earlier in the season. But as you get later in the season, it really becomes about maybe some of the more social aspects, which are with friends, neighbors, et cetera. And so what we're finding is um, the consumer has an incredible love for this season. And they're now finding ways there. You can see through search data and everything else, they're looking for safety, but they're also looking for fun, creative ways to celebrate. And that's what really gives us confidence in the end of the season is that the consumer passion for it is going to either allow them to celebrate the way they normally do, but safely with a mass socially distance, or they're going to find new and innovative ways like scavenger hunts in your backyard. Mm -hmm. So your question around what we're doing, that's a little bit different. We've changed a little bit of our marketing mix. So we're Mm -hmm. really dialed up some of the competitive, um, some of the content aspects for the early and mid uh, season where we're dialing into family movie night, as I said, or baking to really drive some of that engagement. And near the end of the season, we've been partnering um, with other Halloween-specific retailers, the Halloween mm. Association, as an example, and Harvard Health to create a full map of the country that outlines risk profiles and mm. then the risk profile down to the, to the township level. Um, you can define what are the many safe ways that you can celebrate the end of the season. Where so what is, what is risk defined by how many people have COVID in that particular area? It, it's, it's COVID and it's also the, the, the um, percentage of cases, but also the direction that the cases are moving in. And That's so uh, what, what you'll find now is, is only about 10 or 15% of the country is in the zone. The vast majority of the country is, is what we would call yellow. And so um, and this information can be found at Halloween 20, uh, Halloween2020.org that we're talking about. But the nice thing about it is, you know, if you're in an area that's red, obviously everybody's being cautious. You may be in a green area, but for certain personal reasons, you need to be cautious. So what I love about the map and the information is it gives helpful uh, direction on the many ways you could celebrate and not have to forego the season. Well, one thing that should be true about Halloween is it's outside. The trick-or-treating at least is outside. And if you keep social distance, it seems like we're allowed to be outside and far away from people. I mean, so. Correct. And and, and that, you know, once again, and done safely, there's just like now we're going to restaurants and doing a lot of other activities. 
if done safely, there, there's a lot of things you can still do. Given you know the fact that there's so many changes here, uh, do you are you coming up with like more innovation? I mean, and I, I don't. I'm, you're talking about innovation, but I mean like new candy ideas. Are there mm. new product introductions, or are yes. people, just in general is there like holdback because we there's so much uncertainty? Mm. No. So so the good thing, I mean, as the leader in the category, we're you know high 30 share in the category, and we have. Uh, you know, two, three of the top five brands with assortments, Reese and KitKat. Innovation is a critical part of, of the way we go to market. And in fact, in, in Halloween, we know 21% of, of, of Halloween celebrators like to try something new. So they're mm. traditional, but they want something new. Mm-hmm. So a really important part of our marketing plan is innovation. And as I said, we communicated a year out and we had an incredible innovation plan. We had vampire kisses. We have Witch's Brew, which is a green Kit Kat with a marshmallow cream. Oh, I know. <laughs> Hershey's Fangs, and we have oh. Reese's Franken Cup. And so, <laughs> you're fun. drool. I want to eat all of that. <laughs> so it's you know, and and from a marketing perspective, I think one thing that's really interesting is innovation plays a role. These consumers love these brands, and so it's really easy to, for an extra two to three dollars to try your favorite brand in a different way. But what is interesting is while this product went out at the beginning of August, we've had um, the best success with earned media, where the last time I looked two weeks ago, we were over 9 billion impressions. Mm. Because I think with where we are in the world right now, the idea that there's a feel-good story Mm -hmm. about something that we love amidst the politics and COVID, Mm -hmm. the news media has just latched on and because they want to have great stories that are fun. And so we're thrilled that we have some of the best innovation in the category and it's getting incredible pickup media wise, but more importantly in store, these products are well ahead of, of where the rest of uh, our products are. Let me ask you this, Alice, I wanna follow up on this because it's, I, I love Barbara's point about pointing to the innovation. So let's imagine you do one of these really cool, you know, Franken cup, you know, the, what was the Kit Kat one you mentioned? Cause that just- Kit, my- Kit Kat Witches Brew. Oh, I want that so much. I love much. that. So let's let's imagine let's imagine that launches for the Halloween season, Alex, and it just goes crazy. People love it. Will you try to bring it back, or will it be like this? I mean, does the process work like test, retest, and we learn, and then we kind of incorporate the new innovation hits into what we're doing, or how does that work? And 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 I I, I lost about ten seconds of your question, but I think did, would we bring it to the everyday business or would we bring it back the next year? And I apologize. Bring, no worries. Would you bring it to the everyday business, like a test and learn model where you're optimizing innovations and you're, and you're refining and bringing them back into yep. the main business? See, the, the most of the items we do here are so seasonally relevant that mm. you would, would likely not do that because it wouldn't make sense. But I'll, we have a old example of a cherry cordial kiss that lit the world on fire, mm-hmm. decided we're going to bring it every day. And one year later, it was about 5% of what it was when it was made exclusively. Oh. So think of, uh, you know, think of any of these items. Candy cane kisses is a great example for us that people love these products. Reese's eggs at Easter. Mm-hmm. Have them available one time a year actually creates a lot of buzz before the season. Mm-hmm. Allows them to maintain and uh, themselves as very healthy parts of the portfolio. So we typically don't Interesting. do that. Let me ask you this, Alex. What what is it? What do you think is the 
uh, what would you point to in the next three to five years, things that are like perhaps not obvious things that you're keeping an eye on? I mean, we know COVID and the pandemic are on top of us, but really quickly, because we've got about a minute left, what, what are some things that, you're, that are like the big, the big issues, the big critical things that not only for in your space, but more generally for the business that you're, you're, you're keeping an eye on? Well, I mean, we, we're constantly looking at trends in the marketplace and understanding what trends like better for you and premium and some of these other trends are affecting the space that I compete in. Um, and so those are constant things that we try to innovate against. Um, what I'm really focused on is understanding um, the consumer usage occasions and where we have an opportunity to really expand our portfolio with our brands, be it, you know, do it yourself is an area that's in, incredibly strong and um, you know, gifting is just such an area where people want core brands to be able to gift. So I'm more focused on understanding the consumer occasion and our gaps and then trying to fill that. But of course, we look at the big picture in the category to see if that gives us any indicators of where we might want to fish. Oh, that sounds great. Well, Alex, thank you so much for joining us today and bringing a little bit of fun into our lives and telling us Halloween is not dead, but thriving with brand new products. Thank you so much for joining us. Great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.